Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, everyone. I'm Jacqueline Johnson, the founder of Create and Cultivate. And this is Work Party a podcast for a new generation of women who are ditching the rule book and redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. In each episode, we bring in leading female entrepreneurs for real talk advice on the topics that matter most to the modern career woman. From hiring to mentorship to raising money and so much more, whether you are pivoting to a new industry, negotiating a raise, turning your side hustle into a full-time gig, or pitching your company to investors, we're giving you the tips and tricks you need to take your career to the next level. Are you ready to make some money moves? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Work Party. I'm very excited about today's show because I am talking with Candace Nelson. Candace is a Los Angeles-based food entrepreneur and accomplished pastry chef known for co-founding Sprinkles. And her newest venture is Pizzana, a Michelin bib gourmand neo-neapolitan pizzeria with three locations sprinkled throughout Los Angeles. When Candace isn't working her magic in the kitchen, she is also an amazing author of the New York Times bestseller, The Sprinkles Baking Book, and an executive producer of and judge on Netflix's Sugar Rush. Host of her own podcast, Live to Eat, she also has a new book called Sweet Success. It is a book for entrepreneurs inspired by her journey that showcases how she turned her passion into a business. Fueled by passion for supporting other entrepreneurs, Candace also co-founded CN2 Ventures, which invests in early stage and growth stage startups in the retail, food, direct-to-consumer, and branded consumer product sectors, harnessing her knack for elevating simple concepts into breakthrough brands. Prior to founding Sprinkles, Candace pursued a career in investment baking, but shifted gears to follow her passion in a 10 pastry school. Her love for approachable nostalgic food drives her business endeavors and her admiration of contemporary art influences her branding philosophy. So today we're talking about embracing your entrepreneurial spirit from connecting with your inner passions to turning those hobbies into a lucrative business, all so you can have your cake and eat it too. We also talk about time management, work-life balance as she juggles the role of pastry chef, wife, restaurant owner, TV and podcast host, and now investor. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode. Candace has a lot of wisdom and perspective after having her hands in a million different facets. And the focus is really on profiting from your passion. So let's welcome Candace to the episode. So welcome Candace to the work party. How has your week been? Any exciting updates? Anything that you're working on that you're excited to share? 
<laughs> my entire life right now is revolving around the launch of this book. So it's been, you know, an exciting week altogether, but busy and frenetic and everything's, you know, kind of running together. I'd say one exciting thing is that my teenager went back to school. Oh, wow. That is very exciting. Very exciting, you know, to sort of like get these kids off those video games and out of summer mode and in, back into school mode. It's going to be an interesting transition, but we're we're starting we're starting this week. Yay. Oh, well, that is definitely a win for you for this week. And obviously, as you mentioned, you have this incredible book out that you've written. So let's dive into it. But first, let's start a little bit at the beginning. So as I mentioned in the intro, your earliest professional experience was in investment banking. And then you decided to lean into your creative side, obviously, to pursue being a pastry chef and then sprinkles and all the craziness that kind of has come since. So tell us a little bit about this pivot, because I think there's so many people who can maybe relate to that or are in that position right now where they're nervous to take that leap? Absolutely. So, you know, I ultimately, as you said, went into my passion, which was baking as a business, but I didn't start that way. I initially went into investment banking and then went to work for an internet startup. And I was sort of on this path where I was believing this lie that I had been told where if you followed a predicted path, the sort of like traditional stair step to success, going to the right school, getting the right job, success would inevitably follow. And I found myself in all of these prestigious environments and yet sort of hating my life. And that wasn't a good thing, but I kind of kept on that hamster wheel for a while until 9-11 happened. And in the wake of 9-11, and I think there are definitely some parallels to what's going on now, just in the wake of COVID, obviously two very different and devastating events, but people are having these sort of pandemic epiphanies and, you know, searching for more purpose, professional and otherwise in their life. And that was certainly the place that I was in. I was sort of faced with this incredibly dark moment as we all were at the time and finally kind of was forced to ask myself like if this all ended tomorrow would you be happy with what you've been doing right like are you on this path where there are no there's no security in life ultimately and i was kind of just buying into this myth that there was right if i did xyz i would get you know this output which was success And 9-11 just kind of blew that all up for me and allowed me to think bigger and think more deeply about my purpose and what I wanted to contribute to the world and how I wanted to, what I wanted to take away from my work. We all spend so many hours of the day working, like you should also enjoy what you're doing. And the answer for me was a resounding no. I didn't like, you know, what I was contributing to the world or, you know, I didn't enjoy what I was doing on a day-to-day basis. And so I decided to go to pastry school instead of business school, which would have been the next, again, predictable, logical step. 
I love that. So you go to pastry school and obviously you end up launching Sprinkles. And what I love about Sprinkles is, you know, if you walked into any venture capital firm, probably when you launched it and you're like, I'm starting a cupcake business, you want to invest? Like everyone would have been like, no, you know, like just thinking about it, you've built this incredible empire out of something that is beloved and that you obviously mastered, which is so impressive because I think sometimes to your point, you're like, I'm an investment banker. You tell someone you're an investment banker, like, oh, wow, you must be successful, right? But then you talk about like a, spray, a cupcake company and they're like, oh, that's a small business, but it's not. So I think that's so fascinating that you were able to take something that not only you loved and enjoyed, but turn it into a real business. So what advice would you give to people out there who are nervous to pursue their passion because they're worried they can't make it into a bigger business? I think it really comes back to your personal goals. Obviously, for me, I was looking at the baking industry and I was seeing it as this arena that was ripe for disruption because nobody was thinking about it in a in a sort of big business way because everyone from the world of technology and investment banking thought it was just sort of a forgotten business, you know, no reason to be sniffing around there. There's no opportunity. Sometimes that's exactly where you need to be looking, right? these old legacy industries that haven't been disrupted in a really long time. And so I'd actually, I'd always had this love of baking from growing up, baking with my mom. And, and it goes back to sort of homesickness because I grew up moving around. I grew up overseas. We moved every few years. And so baking American treats were like my way to connect with home. So I had this love of baking. I'd also just gotten married. And so I'd, I'd been sort of immersed in this world of like choosing my wedding cake and pouring through Martha Stewart weddings magazines and noticed, you know, that cupcake towers were kind of coming on the scene. And so I felt like I was in this space where I really kind of understood the market to a certain extent. And I was open enough. I had this sort of like, what if mindset this where I was open to opportunity. And I wasn't going to be dismayed by, you know, the my technology and banking peers who said, what are you doing? You're leaving this high paying job to go make cupcakes. That's ridiculous. So I think so much of it has to do with knowing sort of who you are, not listening to the people around you and thinking really big. This episode is brought to you by ZocDoc, the one-stop shop for patients looking to find and book in-person or telemedicine appointments with doctors in their area. Before you book any brunch, you pour over lists and lists of reviews. So why not do the same thing when booking a doctor's appointment? With ZocDoc, you can see real verified patient reviews to help find the right doctor in your network and in your neighborhood. After all, finding the right doctor is just as, if not more important than finding the perfect meal at your next brunch, right? ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. I recently needed to get into a dermatologist pretty quickly, and everywhere I called was booked out through the end of the year. And then I logged into ZocDoc and found an amazing new doctor with a next-day appointment. Truly, so much stress off my plate. On ZocDoc, you can find every specialist under the sun. There's something for everyone. And their mobile app also makes it super simple. Think about how easy it is to order a ride or get a delivery these days. Well, ZocDoc is just as simple for booking all your doctor's appointments. In your search for a new doctor, you can reference verified patient reviews from real people who make real appointments. And when your appointment is finished, you can also log back on and review your local doctor to make it an easier experience for someone else. So go to ZocDoc.com, find the right doctor for you book an appointment in person or remotely, whatever works for your schedule. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc, and I'm one of them. 
It's my go-to whenever I need to find and book a quality doctor. So go to ZocDoc.com party and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's zocdoccom slash party, ZocDoc.com slash party. Hey friend, I'm Nicole Walters, mom of three, your internet bestie and founder of Inherit Learning Company. If you're looking for the motivation you need to pursue a life of purpose, then join me each week on the Nicole Walters podcast as I share my hard-learned lessons and answer your DMs about life, business, and everything in between. We'll laugh, we'll cry, and we'll grant ourselves grace as we do life together. Check out the Nicole Walters podcast every Tuesday here on Dear Media. You can listen anywhere you listen to podcasts. Let's talk about this entrepreneurial adventure sprinkle. So you and your husband start this together. So I'm always so fascinated by husband-wife working duos, mostly because I grew up, my parents are business partners, and I grew up in a household of like parent business partners. And I don't know how they did it. Like when they've done it for like 30 plus years, whatever, but like, I know I could never work with my husband, but I love that you were able to do this. So how did you guys start figuring out how to work your personal and professional lives? What was it like launching your businesses together? What are some of the tips you have for someone who maybe wants to go into business with their partner? Well, first of all, that's so interesting. And I'd love to talk to you about that because (laughs) I'm like seeing my kids someday talking about, oh my God, my parents were married and they were in business. And I'm interested to see what effect that will have on people. But you're an entrepreneur, so that's a good sign. So we actually, my husband and I are co-founders in Sprinkles and now Pizzana and we co-parent and we co-work and we do all the things together, which most of my friends say, you guys are nuts. There's no way I could work with my husband, which is exactly what you said. But we had had a head start in that we both worked at the same investment bank. We were not dating at the time, but we had some really late nights putting together pitch books, like grueling, you know, investment banking hours And we knew we could work together under duress, really, is what it comes down to. And so later on, when we became, you know, partners romantically, and we were, again, doing separate things at the time, but, and we had both actually grown up in sort of risk averse households, like we did not grow up in entrepreneurial households, but we both had the bug independently. So when I landed on this cupcake idea, he looked at me and he was like, let's do this. I'll do this with you. If you nail down the recipes, let's do this together. And so I give him a lot of credit because, you know, he also didn't listen to all of the (laughs) teasing or hazing, shall we put it, from his banking pals. And he had an MBA. So this was really a step down in most of his peers' (laughs) eyes, right? All of a sudden he went from like, you know, mergers and acquisitions to delivering cupcakes in my old hatchback sob. So I give him a lot of credit, but I I honestly am such a believer in the power of having a co-founder. And I'm so fortunate that he's mine because I don't know that I would have had initially the confidence to do it on my own. And I see that a lot, actually, in a lot of women in particular is like not feeling ready, not feeling prepared. We, we, we like to over-prepare And my husband is more like, we can do this. Let's figure it out, which is such an entrepreneurial mindset. Mm -hmm. And I'm there now. But at the time, like having his support and having his belief in me was really everything. It sort of gave me wings, not to sound cheesy. (laughs) No, I I totally agree. I think it's 
easier to start something with a partner and have someone in the trenches with you and to feel like someone who gets it in that way. So I totally understand that. And also having someone that you, you know, have worked with in the past, you clearly trust. So that makes total sense to me. So what I love is that you built Sprinkles into a massive empire and then you kept going, which I also love because I think sometimes entrepreneurs, you know, after they have their one big win, they tend to slow down, but you have done the complete opposite. So you launched Pizzana, which is one of the hottest restaurants in Los Angeles and now has multiple locations. So after launching Sprinkle, so how did you go for, I mean, pizza, I mean, cupcakes to pizza feels like a natural progression to me, but tell me a little bit about how you came up with the concept, how you knew you wanted to differentiate out this, you know, business of just being another pizza place and it's so much more. So tell us a little bit about coming up with that concept. Sure. So I, I think I have a thing for food that people just love that, you know, food that's easy to love. Let's put it that way. Cupcakes are beloved in this country. They just needed some reinvention. And pizza is the same way. Everyone loves pizza. And for me, that's kind of, that aligns with my mission in that I find the connectivity of food to be so appealing. I love the idea of unifying people around something that they love to eat, gathering people around a table. That is so meaningful to me. And it was really meaningful to my family. Food was everything in my family. So I think I just love this idea of putting food out into the world and watching people gather. But beyond that, you know, I think I really like this idea of elevating something that could otherwise be considered sort of, you know, for example, cupcakes were like kids food, right? And, and pizza, you know, some people think of it as kind of like junk food, right? This sort of greasy, late night, you know, hangover food. But I really like this idea of elevating with ingredients through technique and with design and branding and packaging so that you can make something that people already love even more lovable, right? And I actually had no intention of going back into the food business. So, you know, Sprinkles we found in 2005 and we sold it in 2012. And that's a hard, you know, however many years that is, seven years, seven, almost eight years, because it's a retail business. Baking is very, I mean, working in a kitchen is very physical. And I was baker number one. And then just the fact that we were expanding nationally, there was never a time during the day when, you know, there wasn't someone working in a sprinkle store between New York and Los Angeles. And, you know, the ovens would go on at 3 a.m. and people would clean until midnight. And so there were calls coming in all day. I was physically in locations around the country. It was very exhausting. And along the way, I had two little boys. And so I loved my business. I still love my business. But eight years in, we decided to sell a significant, a majority of it to a private equity firm because I, I think we were just exhausted and we needed a break. And I wanted a little time with those nuggets and I wanted to be able to, to drop them off and pick them up from school for a little bit. So that was our our reasoning behind kind of, you know, letting our little birdie fly. And so I had no intention of going back into the food business because I was so exhausted and I needed a break. But I was at a friend's party, Chris O'Donnell, a well-known actor here who also has this like passion for food and good wine. And he was having, he was becoming well-known for these Sunday night parties. He would have the chef come and make Neapolitan-style pizza out of his wood-burning oven. So I was at one of these parties. I took one bite of this pizza and I was like, whoa, what, what, what is this pizza? Like, I love good pizza and this is extra good pizza. So I sought out the chef who is Daniele Uditi, now Pizzana's, you know, executive chef and uh, co-founder with me. And we just talked by the pizza oven all night. Like, 
two bakers kind of geeking out over each other's product, right? And I just thought I could see it. I could envision it. This was special pizza. It was sort of the idea of, you know, the best of Italy meets the best of California. And I wanted to bring his pizza to the world. This idea of neo-Neapolitan pizza, which is, you know, a slow rise over two days and bringing this artisanal technique to the States, but also, you know, bringing it in a way that Americans love to eat it. Because Neapolitan style pizza is kind of soupy in the middle. You need like a fork and a knife, but his pizza holds. So you can pick it up. It's handheld foods, which Americans love. And so I just decided, you know what? We're going to open in Brentwood. I know there's 100 million Italian restaurants in Brentwood. Everyone said, again, that we were crazy. Why would we you know, put ourselves in that situation? But I could see the need in the market. And I knew that we could elevate ourselves with this, with the ingredients, the storytelling and the design. So let's talk about the design aspects of everything. So obviously Sprinkle's level of attention to detail was through the roof, but also innovation, right? And like what you were able to do. So I think one of the most well-known sort of branding stunts and activations that you did was the vending machine. So a cupcake vending machine, which, you know, started in one location now has like, you know, gone all over. And you kind of came up with this idea while you were pregnant and weren't able to get cupcakes when you wanted them or 24 hours. So... I think this is, it was such a genius concept, you know, got obviously so much press, all that good stuff. So I think like for you, talk to us about the different sides of your brain where you have the cooking and the concepts, the business, but also the design and branding and why that's so important for a brand. I think that I would sum up my talents as sort of being a creative entrepreneur. So the design, the branding, the experience, the product itself is really, really important to me. And it's where I like to spend most of my time, less so on like the real estate deals and the managing of people. That's where Charles really excels. And so that's one of the reasons why we're a great partnership. But I think it's really about signaling. It comes from your brand, right? So it's about signaling to your customer what you're all about. And with Sprinkles, we were really raising the bar with cupcakes. Like people were used to buying cupcakes at the supermarket in a plastic clamshell for 75 cents. And we were like, nope, that's not our kind of cupcake. We're going to use the best chocolate, the best vanilla. We're going to, you know, hand frost them and decorate them very artfully. And you're going to walk into a store that feels like a boutique. And by the way, it's going to cost you $3. And I, I can't even tell you how many people were just like, what? How much? They couldn't believe it, right? But it, but there also was an element of, wow, this is something new. This is something special. And it got people talking and it really like appealed to their imagination. And I think that is the key for any product is you need to make people stand up and take notice. There's so much noise out there. It's like, if you're not doing something different, if you're not positioning yourself in some innovative way, Nobody needs to care about you. No one is going to care about you. It's a busy world out there. Before we get into the next question, I want to take a quick pause to talk to you guys about one of our favorite sponsors, Claire. It's no secret that over here at Work Party, we're champions for female-founded and run businesses. And Claire is an amazing female-founded company, and its founder and CEO, Nicole Gibbons, also happens to be an interior designer. She saw that the traditional paint shopping experience was outdated and decided to create a better brand and a whole new experience that would be easier, more convenient, and more inspiring. So if you're looking to change up your interiors, look no further than Claire for paint shopping made simple. If you're wondering how is this easier than going to a store, well, let me explain. Claire takes the hassle out of paint shopping with a streamlined selection of designer curated colors, mess repeal and stick paint swatches, and premium paint and supplies. 
all delivered straight to your door. Forget about spending your Saturday morning at the hardware store because Claire provides everything you need in one delivery. If you aren't sure what color to choose, they also have a two-minute fun quiz that you can take with a virtual interior designer. You answer a few questions about your space, your personal style, and Claire delivers a personalized paint color recommendation for you. Another tool to help you choose the right color are the mess-free peel and stick swatches I mentioned before. So these are exact matches to the paint color and finish you want, and you can instantly get a feel for what it's going to look like in your space without damaging your walls. And to make the brand that much more enticing, they offer better paint formulations that are zero VOC Green Guard Gold certified for better indoor air quality. And they also meet the most stringent chemical emission standards. Their paints are formulated without any toxic air contaminants, hazardous air pollutants, EPA chemicals of concern. So it's a paint you can feel safe about having in your family home. And another thing I love is that if this is your first time taking on a paint project, Claire also has a ton of educational content to help you paint like a pro. Learn new tips and tricks and get inspired to create a home you love. So for your next paint project, try Claire. Visit Claire at www.claire.com party to get started and receive 10% off your order. That's www.clare.com party for 10% off. So... You've taken all this amazing work experience and you've been able to launch your cupcake business, your podcast, your TV show, and your book. So you've launched a previous book, but now your latest venture is this new book called Sweet Success to add to the long list I just mentioned before. So tell us about this new book. I'm really excited to hear about how you sort of talk about being entrepreneurious, how you launch your business side of things. So tell us all about it. Well, I first of all, I love that word, entrepreneurious. I would like to use it from now on. I uh, would like your pim- permission with that. Hopefully it's not trademarked. And yeah, sweet success. You know, I, I, sometimes people DM me and they're like, I'm so excited for all your new recipes because my first cook, my first book was a cookbook. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I can send you some recipes on the side, but this is a guide to entrepreneurship. So this book is, as I said, a guide to entrepreneurship for the entrepreneur curious or those who are first time founders. And it is told through the lens of me bootstrapping, building, and ultimately selling my first business, Sprinkles. And I think it's also, you know, my larger mission here is to break down the barriers to entrepreneurship. We see a lot about, you know, guys sending rocket ships to the moon um, in the media. And really, it's it doesn't have to be like that, right? I built a cupcake empire out of something I was making in my home kitchen. I mean, a child can make a cupcake, and I built a business around that. So I really want to sort of dispel the idea that entrepreneurs are some sort of superhero and give people who want to have these big dreams, uh, you know, a gift of sort of this toolkit of mindset and a roadmap to make it all happen, make those dreams come true. And it's a rallying cry to women in particular. Obviously, this book is not just for women or people identifying as women, but it is told through the lens of a woman. And I think historically, women have felt less comfortable moving into entrepreneurship and there have been less less of a support system for them. Yeah. So it's sort of my rallying cry for them to dream big and like go for it. I love that. I I mean, that's so wonderful. And I think 
you know, anytime a successful woman peels back the curtain, I think it's always great because I think there's something so inspiring about your story, but also like the fact that you're giving that real advice on like, here's how I did it. Here's how you can do it too. I think that's amazing. So as I mentioned, you are the co-founder of Sprinkles. You're the co-owner of Pizzana. You're on Netflix for Sugar Rush. You have podcasts, you have books. So one question I'm sure you get asked all the time, but I'm genuinely curious is, how do you do it all? Like, how do you you know, manage your time? Do you have any tips or tricks or things you swear by? You're also a mom. You know, how are you sort of thinking about the projects and, and how much time and energy you put into them? Mm-hmm. I think the nature of what I do and all those things you mentioned are kind of project-based to a certain extent. So there are ebbs and flows. I mean, when I'm, you know, filming a TV show, yeah, I'm kind of out of the picture at home for a little while. It's just the nature of production and it sucks, but those are really long days. And ultimately, I just have to say to myself, this sacrifice is worth it. I'm modeling, you know, a hard work ethic for my children, but I'm not going to say that it's not hard. I remember when I was on Cupcake Wars and the kids were really little. And if I if I left for the studio before they woke up and I got home when they were asleep and I felt like I'd missed a whole day of their life, like that really got me. But, you know, there are ebbs and flows, as I said. So with running Pizzana, you know, right now it's crazy because we have a few restaurants, restaurant openings coming up. So that's a lot. But then once they're open and we have our team in place and they're kind of operating, then I have like a little breather and I have a ton of flexibility and I can do stuff, you know, like go to the kids, you know, Halloween parade all day long. So for me, balance isn't so much in a day, but it's over, over time. And I think one of the ways that I have dealt with it is that now that my kids are a little bit older, I have 11 and 15. I really actually do kind of bring my work into my home life a little bit. And Charles and I will bring, you know, thorny problems that we're kind of grappling with at Pizzana to the dinner table and kind of get their, you know, their advice. You know, this is what we're thinking of doing. How would you approach it? And so, and I really love that idea. I love, by the way, that's why I'm so interested that your entrepreneurial parents raised an entrepreneur. I would love to raise entrepreneurs too. And so what I'm trying to teach them is essentially to be problem solvers, right? Because yep. that's that's all we are. We're problem solvers that are trying to monetize and make some money <laughs> off solving that problem. And so, yeah, I think even just with this book launch, like I've been really, really focused. But I think when there's a specific goal and a timeline and you got to launch something, you have to give it your all, but then you get it back in spades, hopefully on the other side. And that's the beauty of entrepreneurship. Absolutely. I We are problem solvers. Trying to monetize is like my new tagline. So I'll give you entrepreneur curious. I'll take that. So I, okay, perfect. I think that's great. Um, but no, that. my sister and I are both entrepreneurs. So if that's helpful. And I don't think I was, I didn't think I was going to be one. So it's interesting though. Like you kind of just fall back into that pattern of being around it. But so now looking back, you have all these amazing successes and accolades, but what advice would you give yourself like that first day where you're like, I think I'm going to start a cupcake business, like looking back now? Hmm. I think I would say I should have been better about nurturing my network because Mm. at the time, you know, well, first of all, you know, at the time when I was coming up in the career world, there wasn't this feeling of women have each other's back. And I understand it. I, I, I'm not, you know, I understand that the women that were, you know, the few that were at the investment bank were not like taking me under their wing because they worked really hard to get there. And there was probably only one position, right? There weren't enough seats at the board table. But obviously that has changed so much. And we are living in this world where it's all about like 
collaboration and community and women supporting other women. And I'm just like, this is my time. Like, I love this. And so I just want the women who are coming up to understand, like, this is a good time to be an entrepreneur because there are so many networks out there to support you. There are women who really are trying to like help, you know, lift you up. And so I think I just thought entrepreneurship meant you were like this Howard Rourke figure, like it was you against the world, right? And I was nurturing my relationship with my employees and I was nurturing my relationship with my customers in terms of like delivering on my brand promise. But I didn't nurture my support system beyond that. Mm. And now it's like I go to these female founder dinners and I'm part of a couple professional networks, you know, Female Founder Collective and WeSuite. And it's just like the way that people raise their hands to help is very, (laughs) it's very humbling. Like, it's just incredible. It makes me almost emotional. So, yeah, that would be my advice. You don't have to do this alone and nurture your network and it will it will pay back in spades. Great advice. I love it. So let's wrap with some sentence finishers. Are you ready? I think so. Okay. The person I admire the most is? Oprah Winfrey. My favorite dish, I guess let's do your favorite dish at Pizzana and your favorite cupcake at Sprinkles. Oh, okay. I like that. So, I mean, I'm such a, like a classic classicist when it purist, when it comes to flavors, I really tend to judge a pizza on its margarita. So I more often than not, I am reaching for the margarita pizza at Pizzana because I think it's pretty close to perfect. And then the dark chocolate cupcake got me through both of my pregnancies at Sprinkles. Um, Yeah. I mean, that sounds amazing right now. (laughs) A non-negotiable for my business is working with people I like. And finally, you're hosting your dream dinner party and you get to invite three people, living or deceased, fictional or historical. Who do you invite? Martha Stewart, because she's a goddess. My great grandmother, who was a restaurateur in San Francisco during the Depression years, who I never met, but I heard many, many tales about. And then Julia Child. I mean, that sounds like the ultimate like dinner party. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be some good food. Give me an invite. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on Work Party. Can you tell everyone where they can get your latest and greatest book? Absolutely. Sweet Success is available on Amazon at your independent local bookstore. You can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Candace Nelson. So please help me spread the word about entrepreneurship for the next generation. Love it. Thanks so much, Candace. Thank you so much, Jacqueline. Awesome. For more inspiring conversations like this one, follow the Work Party podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to rate and review us or show us some love on social. We love seeing you tune in every week and share your favorite episodes. We're at Work Party on Instagram and at It's a Work Party on Facebook and Twitter. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Work Party. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.